Grant Podcast Network post-game instant recap podcast from Ohio State's 41-7 to victory over the Purdue Boilermakers. My name is Matt Timoney. I'm joined by Justin Golba. Justin, there was some people freaking out uh, at the end of this game, but I think that was completely unnecessary. I think this was perhaps the best game that Ohio State has played all season. I know that Purdue is not a great opponent, but from start to finish, this was a really good effort from Ohio State. There were certainly some things to be concerned about. Obviously, the injuries to Chip Trainum and Denzel Burke are things that we're going to have to keep in mind moving forward to Penn State next week. Um, there were an abnormal number of drops from wide receivers even before the rain started. Not ideal, but overall, I think this was Kyle McCord's best game of his career as a starter. Uh, I thought we saw some really good things from Dallin Hayden and Xavier Johnson, but Dallin Hayden, especially getting his first extended uh, playing time this season, he looked great. Marv looked really good. Cade looked really good. The defense was fantastic. Obviously, they were aided by three missed field goals. But I, I think overall, this is a game that you have to be, you have to think that this was pretty much exactly what they were looking for, those minor issues notwithstanding, heading into play Penn State next week. Yeah, I, th- I think this game was so much of a trap game that it wasn't a trap game. You know, like it was one of those, if everybody's calling it a trap game, is it a trap game? It's that kind of logic. Uh, because you have Penn State later, because of obviously the concerns playing at Ross Aid Stadium, which are, I think, a little bit overblown just because like Purdue's always had some good playmakers. Even back 2018, they had Rondell Moore, who just tore Ohio State apart. They just don't have that this year. Um, Hudson Card was supposed to be a guy. He's just not. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think those are too huge of a concern. But, yeah, anytime you can go stress-free, Penn State's going to be stress-free today. They're playing UMass right now, so they're not going to have any stress. If they do, then they could have some real concerns. So it's nice yeah. to be stress-free. It's nice to – I agreed with a lot of people. Like, I would have got McCord out of the game a little earlier. I yeah. don't think he needed the extra reps. Everyone's like, he, he needs him. No, he doesn't. He's fine. No. I think this was his it's, best game, honestly. So Yeah, 100%, especially when you've got – guys getting hurt already and, and, yeah. and you've got the rain coming down no need to have that but that's rain that's for a nitpicky sure thing. Yeah. yeah that's a nitpicky thing we can talk about later on but i do want to talk about kyle mccord because on the day he was 16 of 28 which doesn't sound great but when you consider that there was at least five drops in there at least um, that is something to consider he had 276 yards passing four three touchdowns um there were a few balls that were underthrown. There were a few balls that were thrown behind guys. So he was not perfect. But I thought, at least from my, you know, unexpert, you know, critical opinion, is that he put some balls in windows that I just didn't think that he was capable of doing. There was one that I thought at first was a bad throw that Marv caught in. It almost looked like he caught it on the back of the receiver. But on the replay, it wasn't. It was just something that it was a a really great pass, a really great catch. There was one to Cade Stover that was in a really tight window, uh, but he just made some throws that looked like NFL level throws, which to be honest with you, I, I didn't know that he had, uh, he, he hasn't necessarily been putting balls on the spot with a whole lot of juice behind him uh, throughout the first part of the season. I thought he looked really good doing that today. He was able to mix in some different things, both short and long. I, I don't think Kyle McCord is where necessarily if you, put out a, a typical Ohio State quarterback, you would want him to be six games into his first year as the starting quarterback. But I think he's he's getting there. He is not C.J. Stroud. He's not Justin Fields. He's he's not 
Dwayne Haskins at this point, but I think he's making progress. And I think we are seeing that on a week to week basis. And, and, and looking at his game today, again, with drops, with a few bad throws mixed in overall, I think his decision-making, his ball placement, his arm strength has improved every game. And I think going into playing Penn state, this is kind of what you wanted to see from him against a team like Purdue, who is admittedly not a great team and not a great defense. Yeah, I think his most impressive pass was a wide open pass, the one to Carnell Tate, um, because it was it was a pass he should make, but it was on time, it was on target, it was right as you know, right when right in stride to Tate, and even though he's wide open, you still have to make those passes, and that's you know the deep ball is something that's been a, I don't I don't think his arm's been a concern. It's he's been a little bit late with them, like the ball to Marvin Harrison last week against Maryland that everyone said he he underthrew. He didn't really underthrow it. He, he was just late with it. Um, so that's kind of. That ball to Tate was really promising to me because he recognized it immediately. Tate recognizing the coverage was really nice as a freshman. Um, I think it's safe to say he's probably the third best receiver. I like Fleming, but it's just too inconsistent right now. Um, yeah, but Fleming does a lot for you he in does. terms of blocking. He so does. it's he like does. it's it maybe just pass catching. Maybe you're right at this point, yeah. but like he does so much with his experience and knowledge and and downfield blocking ability that it I can understand why he's still not losing those reps. And he doesn't get enough credit for that. And I, I definitely agree with that. Um, so, you know, it's just when it comes to McCord, like you said, it was, it was weird drops, but you know, it was, it was kind of a, even the balls he missed weren't bad passes. It was just like the one, the early to Marvin Harrison where he just kind of put up one arm and stuff like that. You know, none of those are bad. The touchdown to Kate Stover was a really tight window. The first one, uh, that he threw in there that he kind of fired in there. So he's, you know, I said last week, I wanted to see more game to game progression, not just in game progression from him. And we saw that this week. He, I mean, the first drive, it was all to Marvin Harrison, but it was all the only, I think the only completion, the two incompletions were the one to set the one to Marvin Harrison where he just put his arm up and then the drop by Fleming. So that was really promising to see just the first drive of the game again against not a great Purdue team, but you got to play them. Uh, to just drive down the field and kind of assert your dominance early and uh, get Marvin Harrison involved early. He had like, I think he had 60 receiving yards in that just first drive. So that was nice to see because uh, that's something you're going to have to do against Penn State. You mentioned that the first drive was all Marvin Harrison. Is that a bad thing? And I mean this literally. Like, is this, I, I'm legitimately asking, is it a bad thing against, forget Purdue, because you can probably do whatever you want against Purdue. Yeah, but going against Penn State, who has a an obviously much better defense, um, a, a much better secondary, is is that replicable? If they go out on the first drive and say we are targeting Marv just to see what they're doing against him, from a strategic standpoint, from a, just an athletic standpoint, if they say we're going to go to Marv as the number one option every time uh, that we throw the ball on this drive, is that something that is actually good for the offense? Or do they need to kind of start by mixing things up, do you think? Because I'm kind of of the opinion that you have to figure out what Penn State is going to be throwing at your best player. So might as well do it on the first drive. Might as well just kind of every – it doesn't mean you have to throw it to him on every on every throw. But he's the number one option, and he's probably the number one option on almost every pass play anyway. But like to, to scheme it up and saying Marv is who you're looking at first, and if he's, if he's even close to being open, go to him because we want to see – what Penn State and you know potentially other defenses down the the road if they do it against them are going to throw at our number one weapon. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. To answer that question, I think with no Egbuka, yes, just because you know you don't have that guy. Egbuka, Marvin Harrison's like 
it's hard for me to explain the way I view those two, but it's like Marvin Harrison is like the gem and Igbuka is like the safety of them, like a safe option, if that makes sense. It just feels like Igbuka is always open. No matter who he's playing, no matter what they're doing, he's always open. While Marvin Harris is the guy that like, you want a 50-yard pass down the field, he's going to make some credible catch. That's Marvin Harrison. Even though Marvin Harrison is a phenomenal route runner, um, if it just it, it I view them two kind of differently. They're obviously two different receivers, and I think Ibuka just opens up Marvin Harrison so much because you obviously have to play so tight to him too because he's a first-round receiver as well. When you don't have that, um, and especially with the first play of the game being a Julian Fleming drop, where you're kind of like, all right, you know, maybe let's just throw the ball to Marvin Harrison the whole time and see what happens. Um, It'll be interesting next week because you have Kalen King on the other side, and that's a first-round cornerback for Penn State. So, you know, that's where it, it comes into play of, uh, obviously, I'm assuming Ibuka is going to be good to go. They've all kind of talked like he's going to be good to go, but he didn't travel. I I don't – with the rain and stuff, and we might get into this with Trayvon Henderson yeah. too, I think it's a very safe play just to not play them and just, you know, let yeah. Carno take get involved, let Brendan Innes get involved as we saw late, you know, things like that. But – um. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm comfortable with the first drive. Yeah, just throw the ball to Marvin Harrison, see what they're doing with him. Penn State normally likes to kind of cheat a guy over with him. And, you know, it seems like even last year, even though he had like nine catches, they tried to take him out of the game. He, they just were unsuccessful in doing so. So we'll see if they try to do the same kind of thing this this week. And that was with Joey Porter Jr. He was a first-round pick. Yeah, so. and he Marv kind of had his way yeah. uh, with him last year. I, I thought – and I didn't chart this as much as I normally do because it's Purdue, but like I thought that the route schemes that we saw, especially early in the game, maybe not as much after halftime, but in that first half, we saw a lot of interesting concepts where it wasn't just the traditional Ohio State, you know, run deep or let's run sort of some sort of screen. We saw some interesting combinations where there was one play where they did a very quick play action, very close to the line of scrimmage and immediately got it out to Cade Stover for, I think it was only an eight yard completion, but it was an interesting, an interesting play design that I don't think we've seen all season from the Buckeyes. Um, we also saw because a uh, was out, we saw Marv in the slot a lot more in this game, yeah. which gave so many more different looks than we've seen from Ohio state throughout the year. And especially in the first half before the rain really started going, we started to see some creativity that we hadn't seen throughout the course of this season. And, and to be quite honest with you, don't really see on regular game days over the past three years uh, under Ryan day. I, I wonder, do you think that that it was as much like day he talked about learning his lesson in his press conference last week uh, after the first half against Maryland? Do you think he was learning his lesson and starting to open things up? Or was that about, Hey, let's get some things on film. So Penn State has to worry about this, and then we're not going to do any of this whatsoever next week in the horseshoe. I think it's a little bit of both, but I'm going to lean the second one a little more. Even yeah. like the Devin Brown red zone concepts, I'm not. You're not yeah. going to see that next That's week. True. That is that is them. Hey, Penn State, deal with this for at least you. We're going to make you practice this for 30 minutes this week, right? We're going to we're going to make you because because you saw it, so you have to practice for it now. You have to plan for it, but they're not going to do it. They're just going to, and if they do, you know, more power to them, maybe, but. Um, that that's where I kind of lean with that. There was another play that it was kind of like a bootleg out to Xavier Johnson, just a little flip pass, but it got like 20 yards. Little things like that are kind of fun to watch. I like when they get Xavier Johnson involved, the deep ball to Xavier Johnson. I'm not sure is the play, but getting him involved in just the sweep routes and kind of the wide receiver screens. He's probably your fastest receiver. 
So that's, you know, the more way to get him involved. And, um, and, you know, I'll be curious to see kind of what they do next week with the running backs. Obviously it'll depend on Henderson's health, but um, I mean, it's hard to argue this point. Every time Dallin Hayden plays, he looks really good. So I want to, I want to temper expectations on Dallin Hayden just because produce horrible. I mean, they've got a really bad bad, uh, rush defense. They are not very good on defense but he did look great let's get to Dallin. we'll shelve him for a second because you brought up Travion Henderson first and I think that it's been very clear from how Ryan Day has talked about the running backs this year that when it comes to RB1 it is Travion Henderson and then you've got Chip Trainum and then there seems to be a gap to Mayan Williams Travion did not play today. He was questionable to start, and he went out and did warm-ups, but they decided that he wasn't going to play. Mayan dressed and traveled, but or I'm sorry, didn't dress. He traveled but did not dress. He was, he was uh, confirmed to be out before the game. Do you think that that was because you've got Penn State next week? Do you think it's they've got their little banged up? Obviously, we know Trey got hurt against Notre Dame. Mayan has been dealing with an injury since fall camp, which kept him out of a lot of fall camp. And that's really what aided in the ascendancy of Chip Trainum. And now we're at the point where these guys are missing a lot of reps. And certainly you didn't expect, I'm assuming Chip was concussed in that first half hit because he looked like he was out on his feet after he tried to walk off the field, fell down, and then got back up and they helped him out. Um, do, do you think that, I mean, there's no real way to know, but it seems it seems logical that you're going to keep at least Travion out one more extra week to get him 100% ready for Penn State. Yeah, it's not a bye week, obviously, but it's kind of like sitting out a guy before a bye week of just like, look, let's just get them. And the weather matters. I mean, it's raining, you know, one, one move here or there. Obviously, that's always a concern in football, but when the weather's bad, it's even more of a concern. You have such a... a uh, what's the word? Riches? Uh, assortment of riches? That's not the word. Uh, you have so many abundance, good running backs. Abundance? You have an abundance yeah. of, of weapons? Yeah. yeah. I'll I'll think of what I'm trying to say in like 20 minutes, but um, you I have so many. Yeah. yeah, you have so many weapons and so many running backs. Like, this isn't a shot of him, of course. Evan Pryor could have came in, I think, and ran for 60 or 70 yards. Like, you just have so many people that can come do the job that – you know, you just want to keep Henderson health. He, he, the videos I saw from him warming up looked like he was pretty much ninety to ninety-five percent. He was doing everything. He was running, looked like at full speed. He was going through drills. Obviously, drills are not game, but it's nice to see him doing all that. And then they probably just decided, look, before the game, you're not hundred percent. You're ninety, so let's just keep you out, and let's just you know make sure that you're good to go for Penn State because they're going to need him. I still think Trayvon Henderson is the best back in the, on this team. I still think he has the most upside. I still think he he is the most talented. Um, so I, I just you're going to need him for Penn State. So just keep him healthy and um, you know move on. You don't need him for Purdue. It's pretty. It's it's. I hate to say it like that, but it's that simple. You don't need him. Obviously, I I, I certainly agree with you that I think Trevion Henderson is the most talented. But I'm not 100 percent sure that he is the best back for this offense. The, the reason I say that is, is because this offensive line struggles far more in run blocking than they do in pass blocking. They don't do a great job of uh, uh, of opening clean holes. They don't do a great job of getting to the next level to pick off guys so that they are able to create extended running lanes. Trey and, to a lesser degree, Mayan and Chip as well seem to have trouble hitting holes. 
And I'm not sure what that is about them. If it's just vision, if it's if it's initial burst, if it's indecision. But Dallin doesn't seem to have that issue. He seems to always, and this goes back to last year. So this is not just a Purdue thing. He seems to just be a guy who is is always looking to go north and south, is always looking to run forward. And then if he has to make somebody miss, then he can move laterally. Um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that Dallin Hayden is now RB1. Like there were legitimate people on Twitter during the game saying that. But I do wonder if they have to kind of reassess what their rotation is because the three guys that they've had at the top, especially the number one guy at the top, doesn't seem to be the type of running back that fits well with the offensive line issues. And I think going into a game against Penn State, I think you either say, Trey, you're healthy. You've sat out for two weeks. You're good to go. We need this. This needs to be the focus. You need to get north and south. You need to hit those holes. Or you kind of reassess the type of plays you're doing, the type of rotation that you have, uh, because the running game has been an issue. Today, it was much better. They ran the ball uh, 39 times for 163 yards. Overall, that's 4.2 yards per carry. Sack adjusted, it's a little bit better at 4.9. But Dallin Hayden ran the ball 11 times for 76 yards for an average of 6.9 yards per carry. Nice. Xavier Johnson was five rushes for 39. That's 70, uh, 7.8 yards per carry. Then you get into Chip Trainum was at 4.7. And then you've got the two quarterbacks that are down there. And then Evan Pryor, who had one good run and then two bad runs. But like the main three running backs in this game did a pretty good job. But I, I think there needs to be some sort of development and progression as to what we see from the running game, not just in terms of the guys, but how the guys are being put in position to run the ball. Yeah, and it, maybe it goes back to a little bit of like Trayvon Henderson's kind of always looking for that home run while Dallin Hayden's is just taking what the defense gives him, taking the holes where you can get him. And like you said, he's just averaging four or five yards a carry, which, you know, it's not going to boast, it's not going to boost any highlight tapes, but it is going to get you first down and a touchdown every single time. So um, it just depends on kind of what I, it's, it's, it, they didn't burn his red shirt today, right? You get like three games or something. What do you get? You, you get four games. He's fine. Four he's games, got, yeah. he's got plenty. Yeah. So, you know, I, maybe you just do what Notre Dame does and use all five and just see how they play game to game. I don't I don't know. It's, it's tough. Um, you know, it's it's I, I like I said, I still think Trevor Henderson is like the most talented, but the numbers are the numbers. And, you know, if Dallin Hayden is the one that's getting you the most production now, obviously you have to see it against like a Penn State. You know, Purdue is not who you're going to see. Beating Purdue is not the goal. You know, that's um, you got to be Penn State. You got to be Michigan. You got to be Georgia and those guys. So. You know, to see uh, where you can get that most production. I'm trying to remember last year. Did Dallin Hayden play against any of the top teams they played or no? I don't remember. Uh, he had uh, – I'm looking it up here. But he's he's played two games this, this year, um, the Purdue, and then he had one catch against Indiana, which is kind of annoying. That sucks. That – that is going to potentially burn that that game for him, but last year he uh, the yeah I mean he he had two rushes against Michigan and nine against Georgia, um, okay. so that's really it. His big games were against Michigan State, the Northwest. He had eight rushes against uh, Wisconsin, but he had fourteen rushes against Michigan State for seventy yards, nineteen against Indiana for one hundred and two, twenty seven against Maryland for one hundred and forty six yards. Right. Really saved the game last year. Yeah. Um, but was kind of a an ancillary back against Michigan and, and Georgia had a little bit more action against Georgia. But um, 
You know, I, I, I think I liked, again, what I talked about with the creativity. I like the concepts that we saw in the running game on Saturday. I don't know that that is necessarily um, going to be indicative of what happens against Penn State, be just because Penn State is a much better defense than, than Purdue yeah. is. But I liked what we saw. And if you do have injuries, I mean, this is the second year in a row where you're having to go down to like the fourth or fifth string running backs because of injuries. If that continues to happen, I think that Ohio State is in very good hands with, with Dallin Hayden. I hope that's not the case because I, I agree with you that I think having the combination of Chip and and Trey is a better option at this point. Um, but I don't know how much of a better option. Like I think Dallin is is I understand why Ryan wants to 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 keep him redshirted, but yeah, I definitely get it. But I but I also looking at him and being like he does the things that I think work best for this line. So yeah. so we will see. Um, if you are watching with us live, this will only be a second, but if you're listening to us on the podcast, we're going to take a real quick break here and we'll be back in just a few minutes. All right. If you're watching us live uh, on social media, that was like 10 seconds. If not, you've heard a couple ads. Feel free to click on uh, any of the, the, the ads there and, uh, uh, and support them. That would be great. But let's turn over to the defensive side of the ball, Justin, because the defense really played lights out. Overall, Purdue had a total of 257 yards, 134 passing, 123 on the ground. Obviously, a lot of those uh, yards, especially the ground yards, happened in the fourth quarter after – one, it started to rain, and the defense was kind of even uh, even with the starters still in. They weren't doing anything of note, and the game was already over at that point. But the defense looked great. They were helped out by three missed field goals, but they kept that shutout into the fourth quarter where uh, a turnover of Ohio State's offense is actually what led to the to the score. But I think we saw a little bit more from the defensive line uh, getting to Hudson Card uh, they had a total of three sacks, which is nice. Again, Purdue's offensive line was in shambles, and it got worse throughout the game as as, as they had more injuries. But again, this is the this is the team that's ahead of Penn State on the schedule. So these are the things that you have to see in that game. And and I have no problem with most anything that I saw from the defense today. And I think it only reass- reassures my confidence that this defense is the real deal. Yeah, they they just keep playing well. You know, there's really no other way to word it. They, um, it's still it's still a little bit of bend don't break. You know, I mean, they gave up. As you said, they got into the red zone a couple of times. They scored a touchdown. The three missed field goals. I just, I, I, I don't know why. I think I feel bad for that kid. You're putting him in such I a do, bad yeah. position. I don't know why they kicked it the first time, just because it was like a 50 yarder and it was raining, bad weather. So now you hurt his confidence. Then you, you know, send him out there again. It's 27 nothing. What are you accomplishing by? I think somebody did mention at the time the spread was plus 25.5. So just saying, um, but uh, I also, you know, but I also think there's something to be said about like not getting shut out. Yeah. So, like, there I is. understand like there's something the to be said. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that I would have done that, but I can at least understand that if that's the rationale. Yeah. And I do, but I, at, at, yeah, it was just definitely just not, not the best day. And I think, I think the, the weather can play a lot because you saw, obviously we criticize Ohio state special teams, but you know, you saw Fielding miss an extra point, which he never does. He kicked the ball out of bounds. So I do think the weather was wrecking a little bit of havoc on, on the kickers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Hudson Carr is a former five-star prospect. Now, he hasn't obviously lived up to that bill, uh, but, he, you know, he was at Texas and stuff. So 
he's a good enough player that he can make things happen. They put up 14 on Iowa's defense, which, you know, it's not many better in the country. So um, in this offense, they scored like 17 to 24 every game. Their lowest is 14 against Iowa. So they held them to their lowest total of the year. Um, So, I mean, it's not much you can say. I'm hoping Denzel Burke is okay. If he's not, that's going to be an insanely big problem because he's still just an absolute insanely good corner. Uh, the three best cornerbacks in the country might be in the Big Ten with Kalen King, Will Johnson, and, and Denzel Burke. It's, it's going to be so much fun to watch those three as the season winds down. Do we have any? I know this is live. Do we have any info on Denzel Burke? Have they said anything? Or I have not seen anything post-game. Okay. Uh, I'm kind of scrolling through some things now. Uh, but obviously, I'm not even sure if Ryan Day's press conference has started yet or if there is a real one. But um, I have not seen anything. They said he was walking off the sideline kind of gingerly. So it sounds like it is a a leg, potentially uh, ankle or something like that. So not mm-hmm. ideal for a cornerback. Hopefully, this is just precautionary and they took him back to get him some treatment or taped up or, or, or something. And, um, you know, it's not going to be a big deal against Penn state. I think the thing that if you look at what Ohio state did really well against Purdue is Purdue had 17 third downs and converted only three. Now they converted two of three fourth downs, but that has been an issue for Ohio state all season, even against teams that aren't as good as Purdue look at Western Kentucky and Youngstown state to hold them to just three third down conversions on 17 attempts. It's really good. Conversely, Ohio state had, 13 third downs and converted on eight. So a much better job on third down on both sides of the ball. But, you know, it's tough against, you know, we said this before we started recording, like it's Purdue. So it's like, how much can you really discern from a performance like this? But, but again, this is what you want to do in a game like that. So if you, Let's do it this way. I think there were still some issues at linebacker. We saw Cody Simon come in and replace uh, Steel Chambers f- fairly often. And I think by the time we get the actual snap counts, I think I would not be surprised if Cody Simon had more snaps at linebacker than, than Steel Chambers did. Other than the Denzel uh, uh, inju- uh, potential injury issue. Other than that, what is the one thing on the defensive side of the ball that concerns you heading in to facing Penn state in the horseshoe on Saturday. I don't, I don't know that's necessarily a concern, but I, we do just have to continue that front four to get pressure on drew Lair. Remember drew Lair is a freshman as talented as he is. He is never facing an atmosphere. Like he's going to face to come next week at, at the shoe. Unfortunately, it's at noon. So you don't get like the prime time lights on vibe, but you're still going to be at the shoe. You're still gonna be in front of 110,000 people. He's going to, you know, if you can rattle him early, get him on the ground early, really kind of just get in his head, that's going to be the biggest thing to that game is just continuously putting pressure on him. And, and again, we've talked about they haven't had the sack numbers, but they've had the pressure numbers. So just keep, keep make him uncomfortable, kind of slow down the run game. And it, I think if you put the ball in Drew Allaire's hands and force him to beat you, you're putting yourself in a very good position. Not saying he can't, but he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't had to, I should say. So, yeah. Uh I think it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with trying to get pressure on him. Do they let the front four do it on their own or do they try to bring pressure? It has not gone well when they've tried to bring extra pressure, whether that's from the linebackers or from the secondary. Generally, those lead to big plays. Yeah. 
the front four, and sometimes the, when I say the front four, sometimes defensive linemen have dropped and they brought linebackers. So there's been these kind of different coverages uh, or different uh, different rush packages. But I'm interested to see what they do. Do they try to dial something up to get to Drew Aller? He's not a first year player, but he's a first year starter. Like you said, he's. I think I don't know if he officially redshirted last year or not. Oh, that called but, him a freshman. I think I called him a freshman, didn't I? He's a first year starter, but same yeah. thing. Um, but it's it's. I think it'll go a long way to tell us what this defense is actually about, how they decide to go with getting pressure. If they do trust the front four to do it on their own and maybe do some creative stuff like they like we've seen them drop the defensive ends or drop the, the defensive tackles and bring linebackers, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But what I really don't want to see is them trying to blitz six or seven at a time because that's when Ohio State has had the the only times they've really given up some big plays this year. And I think that'll go a long way to telling us who this defense is in the mind of, of Jim Knowles and what he thinks they're actually capable of going, you know, taking a step up in competition. Obviously Notre Dame was a much better team than any of the teams they'd played previously. Penn state is even another level up from there and probably considerably now that we've seen Notre Dame struggle quite a bit since Ohio state uh, beat them on the last play of the game. So um, I, I, I want to hit a couple things here before we go. Ohio state had nine penalties for 51 yards Nothing major, and I think some of those were probably fairly questionable. I, I do wonder about the intentional grounding. I think that was a, a bad decision. I think Kyle should have held on to the ball, but like I still Kane don't know Stover, what I thought was in. Was. Yeah, Kane Silver was in the area. There was one where Jack Sawyer got a a roughing the passer mm-hmm. call. We never saw a replay. Peacock did not give us a replay. We'll get that to Peacock here in a second. So like I, I I saw it live, but I I did I, I would like to see it a little bit closer. So that one's a little interesting, but like drops and penalties and special team stuff like those are all things that are still fairly glaring issues Uh, like i said third down they've cleaned up on both sides of the ball but like penalties drops which i don't i don't really put a lot of uh there's been more drops this year than there has been in previous years even from marv but like if your biggest concern is Mar- Mar- if, if yeah. your biggest concern is Marvin Harrison, this team is in a really good spot. Yeah, like I'm just not <laughs> like, worried about Marv dropping the ball because if, yeah. if he has three drops in a game, you know he had more than that today. But like if he had three drops in a game, chances are he's going out and making three catches that almost nobody else on the planet can make. So like it balances out. I'm fine. But the penalties, special teams, and, and maybe some drops. Julian Fleming has had more drop issues consistently throughout this season and his career than Marv had. Like. Those are things that I think you want to look at and, and and pay attention to, and hopefully see hopefully get that that worked out moving forward. But um, Justin, what was your experience with Peacock today? What what were your thoughts on the visual of the broadcast, the play by plays, the producing and the directing of of the broadcast? What were your thoughts about Ohio State's first ever Peacock exclusive game? So I think. And I did say last week that so far the Peacock stuff had been pretty good. And I stand by that. Today I don't think it was as good. I like Kyle Rudolph a lot. I don't know how people felt about him. I don't tend to have huge opinions on broadcasters one way or the other anyway. Um, so, But I did like Kyle Rudolph. I like younger – like he reminds me a little bit of Greg Olson. Not as good. Greg Olson's like maybe the best in the game right now. But yeah. um, I do think Kyle Rudolph was fine. I, I don't know who was the play-by-play guy, honestly. or and, the and, 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 Andrew Siciliano. So oh, a long time guy. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah so he's been around forever. Yeah. yeah. He's been around forever. So um, I don't know how much really like I, I'm not, I've never been like in these productions. I don't know. You know, I don't know how much money they're putting into it. I'm assuming it's a lot, but you know, <clears throat> if it's not 
you know, you have to, you can only go by what the resources you're getting. So I don't know, maybe they're not putting a whole lot into like an Ohio state. Does Ohio state Purdue get less than Michigan against somebody else? I don't know. You know, I don't know how these things work. Um, It could have been better, but again, I'm not really someone who truly like dives into it too hard because I don't really understand it at a, at a deeper level. So I just kind of let other people tell me what to think about it. And um, you know, as long as, like I said, as long as the announcing's fine, which I thought, I thought Kyle Rudolph was good. I thought, Siciliano made a couple kind of weird mistakes. I didn't know that was him. That was actually that's actually surprising to learn because yeah. he's really he's normally really good. Um, they tried to do like a red zone thing with him. That's not NFL red they, zone. And it, no, it, it is it. He he did the Direct TV. Not anymore. When red uh, when Sunday Ticket was on Direct TV, he did the Direct TV specific. Gotcha. Uh, red zone. So he actually did Direct TV, or he actually did Red Zone before Scott Hansen did. Gotcha. Uh, I heard that was Scott Hansen went up. I heard that was pretty good. I yeah, it was Scott good. Hansen's like phenomenal. But I heard that was yeah, that was Scott good Hansen's too. the best. Yeah. So yeah. Um. So I, I I didn't hate it. Again, I don't. It's also it's the only game of the year they're on Peacock. So it's kind of like even if it was yeah. horrible, it's like okay, we're going back to. Now it's done. You know, yeah, I mean, some people. I, mean, I, I know. You, I think you kind of are one of them. I know a lot of people don't like the Fox broadcast. So um, no, I don't. Yeah, so you know, we're gonna get a lot more of those. So you know, I it, it's just yeah. I, I generally don't like any play-by-play and color commentary crews. I think they're all bad. Uh, I think the I might have said this here. Brock Heward and his dorky play-by-play guy. I think they're really good. I think Mark Jones and oh, who is he with? Spencer Ward, maybe Mark oh. Jones and Spencer Ward for ESPN. I think I think that's who he's with. But I think Mark Jones is really good. Yeah. I like him. I like Eric Collins, who does stuff on Fox Sports One. Um, I think those guys are really good. Uh, these guys, I, I did not think Kyle Rudolph was very good. I thought he was just talking for the sake of talking. I didn't think that he had a whole lot of insight to it. But to I me, the biggest issue was like a, a new guy thing. I've noticed because he's new to it. One hundred percent. Yeah, he is just out of the league. He spent yeah. twelve years in the NFL. Like he's just out of it. He'll get better at that, hopefully. Yeah. But my biggest issues were like, just like not buffering, but like freezing and sticking. Okay, mine was and, doing that too. I thought it was just my yeah. internet. I got spectrum. No, so I, I think. It, oh, yeah, no, sure. I think it's it. That was I think everywhere. I think that was an okay. issue. Um, I thought the video quality was not great. Like, yeah, especially on replays, it looked really choppy. So I, I was more concerned about that. And, you know, for those of us who live in or around big cities or in big suburbs, like streaming is fine because streaming is going to be fairly easy. You know, we talked about it with some people in the um, the the land grant Twitter feed. Like they live rurally. So their, their internet is not very fast. So they rely on satellite and that's an issue when you have these streaming exclusive games, you know, I'm not going to be too worried about one game a year on, on Peacock for people living in, in, you know, Dublin and Worthington and Pickerington and, and, you know, in the suburbs of Columbus, but it is kind of an, it's, it's annoying because you, the problem with doing streaming only games is Rural areas where the internet's not very great can't get them. And then you can't go to a sports bar and watch them either because they're not available that way. Yeah. They, um, somebody in Columbus put up like how hard it is for them to actually get Peacock, right? It's so, well, like, it's, it's, so it's illegal. Oh, yeah. Well, you can get individual, you can get packages. I don't know that they are really offering them. I did a story on it for my day job when at, at the time it was HBO Max that started having men's and women's U.S. soccer games and they had no a system on how to allow bars and restaurants 
to stream the games. Crazy. They didn't think about it. They didn't think ahead. So maybe NBC Universal has something like that for Peacock, but it generally is insanely expensive and it's just not worth it for like one game a week, you know? So I understand why bars and restaurants wouldn't do it. So those are my issues. I I don't have a problem with streaming in general. I cover streaming for a living. Like that's literally my day job. So I'm all for things moving to streaming because it keeps me employed. But they're doing like we're so in the infancy of like streaming exclusive sports rights that they just aren't doing it well and i think there needs to be some sort of contingency for people who aren't able to stream um i I think there needs to be some sort of way for people to see it at sports bars um and, and and you know i think there needs to be to kind of work through these issues not even you know you know irrespective of the actual product itself with the with the glitching with the bad video with you know all of those things but i thought the peacock thing was bad but i don't know that it was any worse than like a fox sports one or an espn2 broadcast so i'm not going to put that serious espn2 vibes to me yeah oh and even worse like an espnu which like you feel like it's like just four steady cams and like they're being controlled by robots back at back at bristol but overall um i didn't love the broadcast but i didn't think you know I, the broadcast itself was was less of an issue for me than how difficult those games are to actually get. But it was funny to me because obviously I knew about it because I covered the basketball team more, but yeah. they popped up that graphic of how many basketball games are on Peacock. And I was like, how many Ohio State fans are figuring that out for the first time right there? Yeah. But like a lot like you, if you watch Ohio State basketball, you are going to have to get Peacock. And that's only yeah. going to get worse. I mean, there are some big games on Pe- – Indiana plays Purdue on Peacock this year in basketball. There's yeah. no bigger Big Ten game than that. So, like, they're – for basketball, it's a legitimate – for football, you can get away with it. But for basketball, yeah. it's going to be a legitimate – you have to get Peacock. They're moving pretty much a lot of it to it because they do no ESPN broadcast. So Right, because um, those midweek games, you have to have somewhere to put them. Yeah. So there, there's going to be over – I think it's over 30 men's games exclusive to Peacock and I think maybe exactly 20 women's games. Yeah. And other than Iowa with Caitlin Clark, Ohio State women are the number two team in terms of the number of games on Peacock. Yeah, they have so, seven. Yeah, seven. So I, I, I think Ohio State men are like – fifth or sixth they've like yeah so they've got a handful of games but like get used to it like i would not also not a not a surprise they showed um the tops there's only like like the top six teams in the big 10 in basketball that have the most peacock games it's pretty much the projected top six standings yeah you know in order like it's not it's not a surprise it's purdue michigan state not at all wisconsin ohio state maryland you know yeah i mean and and these are basically you're basically only going to get a lot of these games on Peacock and Big Ten Network. That's yeah. really it. Because while CBS is involved in this, they don't have, I think, many regulars. They'll, they'll have some because they've always had some, like especially men's basketball games, some like Saturday games, Sunday, one o'clock and Sunday. Yeah, those kind of things. Um, we get but most of the games are going to be on Peacock and the Big Ten Network, which is complicated it's much more complicated than the football situation is i do feel bad for like like you said it doesn't affect me or you because i live right outside cleveland i have every streaming service anyway but i do feel bad for like older people people like like my grandmother asked my mom today like ohio state playing i was i said no i was like she 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 just she just she if i tell she does not know what peacock is she's never heard of it it's not even remotely it's not even a point to tell her you know it's just no they don't play not to you I, i will say though Peacock is one of the cheaper streaming services out there. You can get a oh, subscription. Sure. 
for $5.99. It's got a lot of sports. Yeah. Uh, if you like international soccer, if you like pro wrestling, if you they put uh, golf on there, they got a lot of golf on there as well. And then they've got the office. They've got 30 rock. They've got battle Battlestar Galactica. Like they've got a lot of old things uh, that people like to binge all of the NBC USA Bravo shows stream on there the next day. So it's a good streaming service. Like I have it. I mean, I have, it's my job, so I have everything, but like, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. If, if you are like, I have to have it for basketball. Like there's other stuff there that's worth watching. So it's not the worst thing. It's not like you have to go get like Brit box. And like the only thing else on there is like British dramedies, you know, like it's, it's a, it's a decent streaming service. So anyway, I could do a whole podcast on streaming and uh, I probably should for my day job, but anyway. Okay. So Justin, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Just one thing. That Ohio state's a lot better than Purdue. Uh, no, I mean, I think that my biggest takeaway was that this team is continuously game by game getting better. Even things like Purdue's not a good team, but neither was Indiana, neither was Western Kentucky, neither was Youngstown State. And they did a lot of things better today than they did in those games. And I think for the really maybe the first time outside of the Notre Dame game, I'm pretty confident going into next week. I think they have a very good chance to be Penn State. I think a lot of people, I mean, I saw that the eight and four comments after the Indiana game were insane to me. But, um, you know, I, I, I did think there was legitimate concern against Penn State and Michigan. Um, and now I, I think they are as ready as they're uh, – uh, barring injury, they're as ready as they're probably ever going to be going into that game. I still stand by. I'm very glad it's at home uh, because I can see this game coming down to just it being whoever is at home. And so now that's a whole different conversation for the Michigan game. But uh, for this one, I, I just – I think they're getting better game by game. Like I said, I think the biggest thing I took away was – that Kyle McCord looked like he took away stuff from previous games going into this one and not just progress through this one, um, which was nice. And I mean, it's always nice when I think your quarterback has their best game heading into their biggest game. So that's going to yeah. be, you know, I, I trust him and um, hopefully Denzel Burke's okay. Cause that's going to be a big thing. Yeah. Um, Chuck asked a question in our chat here in the live stream and said, talking about our Peacock conversation. So they will hold top games hostage until you pay the ransom by subscribing. That's not true for football. Maybe a little bit more for basketball, just because for there's basketball, so fewer yeah, options. Be, yeah. for, for football, how football. it works is, is every week there's, I mean, it's done a couple of weeks in advance, but like for every week, there is essentially a, an auction and not an auction, a, a draft. So every network, Fox, CBS, and NBC rotates who gets first pick. And I don't remember the distribution, but Fox has the most because they paid for more rights. So they get, if it's their week, they get to say, I want this game. And if it's Fox, they're almost always going to put that game in the uh, in the big noon kickoff window. If it's CBS, they're That's going to put it at three thirty. Yeah, and, and if it's NBC, they're going to put it in prime time. So the games that we're going to get on Peacock from a football perspective are going to be Ohio State, Penn State, or Ohio State Purdue games. They're going to be um, I don't remember who Michigan. I think was a non conference game. So everybody's going to play on Peacock every year, but they're not going to be big games. I mean, I'm sure there could be some big games that pop up there. But by rule, it's going to be lower games. When it comes to basketball, though, like just because if you expected to see a, a good Tuesday night game on ESPN, that's a 50-50 shot of being a good Tuesday night game on Peacock. So foot from a football perspective, which I think is really the thing that most people are worried about, 
uh, because those are there's so few of them. You have to watch every one. Obviously, guys like you and me, Justin, we're going to watch every Ohio State men's basketball game there is. Um, but that's not as as pressing as a football game because there's going to be 30, hopefully 35 of them, you know, throughout the season or more. Um, but from a football perspective, the big games will always still be on networks, at least for the time being. Obviously, things will change eventually. But for now, CBS, Fox, and NBC is where all of the big football games are going to be. Yeah, the biggest thing that surprised me about the basketball slate was uh, Ohio State, their second game in the year is against Texas A&M. That'll be a big game. A&M will be a top 15 to 20 team in the country. That's on Peacock. So that's so you are – another thing, and this is new, normally Ohio State, their first game of the year against like – Marist or something is on Big Ten Plus, and I don't even watch that because yeah. I don't get that. They have three games yeah. this year on Big Ten Plus, so that's a new thing too. So the streaming—if you watch every Ohio State men's basketball game, yeah, streaming is going to be a lot more of your life. Football—it's not a—it's not a concern yet, but basketball, yeah, yeah like Indiana Purdue on there was shocking to me. That's—I mean—that's the biggest game of the year for them. So. everybody that is all that we have let us know your thoughts about ohio state's 41 to 7 victory over purdue if you head over to twitter at land grant 33 you can find us on social media on facebook as well by searching for land grant holy land if you want to follow me on twitter or pretty much any other social media platform you can find me at bww matt you can find justin at justin underscore golba we appreciate you following along for everybody who watched live. We love having you in there. Feel free to join join us after next week's game. We'll be doing this exactly the same as we did now, hopefully with just as good of vibes to talk about. And uh, that's all we've got. Thanks for watching and or listening. We'll be back to talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.